All right, it's me again. This week we're covering startup business stuff. Every week, I guess we'll have a new theme. Last week was tech. This week is business. But I have a category that I call TechniBiz, which is kind of cheating because it's discussing the business side of tech, which I know and love. So this week, I think today we're going to cover uh, Adam Jacobs' appearance on Changelog last year. Uh, he, Adam Jacob is the co-founder of Chef. Um, he has some thoughts on open source business models, and let's just play the clip. We'll come back at the end to comment about it. So do you think you've learned through Chef that the Red Hot Hat style that you guys eventually adopted, like, is that the way to go? If you're trying to do what y'all did? Yeah. I know there's different models or they're not business models. There's different ways you can approach business as an open yeah. source. <laughs> you should 100% call them business models because that's what everyone does. So I should. I'm trying yeah. to be gracious for you. I know you don't like and the I, term, but I, I respect you so much. Yeah, there are other ways to do it, but mm -hmm. it seems like that's kind of the one that you've decided is the best one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with the giant caveat that like everybody's situation is different, yada, 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 yada. I think if you really break down the options available, there's some just immutable facts about business that are just real. So the way business works, no matter what you want to do, you have something and I would like it. And in order to get it, I must hand you dollar bills. That's business in a nutshell. Anytime that we're not doing that, what we're doing might be interesting, but it's probably not business, right? But that's really what business is. Like you've got stuff, I want it, I pay you, I get it. What we do with open source businesses is open source tends to mean that I can have it for free, that for $0, I can acquire the resource. And that means, of course, that some people won't pay you for it because they don't have to pay you for it. And so then you have to find out, well, what's the thing that I pay you for? The way I talk about that is that you're creating artificial scarcity, right? The software itself is infinite. Anybody can use it and you can get it from anyone and it's all good. But in order to get you to pay for it, I have to create some kind of scarcity so that you're willing to part with your hard-earned cash in order to acquire the goods. So one way we create that scarcity, the traditional way, is by just keeping it to yourself and then only giving it away for money. That's proprietary software, right? Right. And that model we know works. If you build something of value and you want to sell it for money, people will pay for it because they want it. And like it's pretty straightforward. When we do open source, we're making it more complicated every time. And so in the most traditional one, we would do like open core where we say, well, yeah, the, the main part of what we do, which is usually the most valuable thing you do, because if it's not valuable, then the open source users don't need it, right, is completely free. It's zero dollars and it's open source. You can take the source and build derivatives and do whatever you want with it. And then there's some other thing we build on top of it that's even more valuable than the first thing was to a certain target market. So, you know, analytics for the enterprise would be a good answer or SAML support. If you want SAML support, it costs extra, right? Mm -hmm. The problem with the open core model is that you always get it wrong and you gave away the most valuable asset, which is probably whatever it was you did in open source. So in the case of Chef, the most valuable thing you got from Chef was Chef. Like you had configuration management. It ran Facebook right. for free. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's super valuable. I gave it to you for free. Zero dollars. Now, when I would try to build open core software on top of it, it was never as valuable as Chef. It's hard. 
to build something that's that valuable. <laughs> so like trying to find something that's that valuable on top of something that's that valuable, it's just, it's a really difficult proposition. Mm -hmm. So then the next way to think about doing that, there's a lot of others, but let's just talk about open the, the free software product model. So the Red Hat model. So what Red Hat did that was genius was they said, all right, software is not a product, right? So if you think about software, just like the bits and a product, a product is something that I buy from someone and it comes with all the things. It has, it has packaging and marketing and sales guys and support and documentation. It has all this stuff. Software, that's the stuff that I get from GitHub, you know, or that I could just like, mm -hmm. maybe I could run it or maybe I can't. That's software, right? And what Red Hat said was what people buy are products. They don't buy software. They buy products, especially companies, enterprises don't buy software. They buy products. And so what we're going to do is we're going to make enterprise products out of open source software, right? So they said, we'll take open source software that gets this big reach and gets us like this huge array of different verticals we can go into. And for each one of those things, we're going to package it together into a product that the enterprise can consume. And then we're going to say that that supply chain and all the pieces and components that make up that thing, that's my product. That's what you pay me for. And by doing that, they essentially reinvent the proprietary business model. Because if you want Red Hat Enterprise Linux, there's only one way to get it, and that's pay Red Hat money. Now, you could run CentOS all day. You could run whatever else you would want to do. Feel free. But what it's not is Red Hat. And so then you have to ask yourself questions like, well, do I trust the supply chain? How do I know? Mm -hmm. Who do I call if there's a problem? What if there's a security vulnerability and the guy who does the security vulnerability patches in CentOS is on vacation and they forgot to give somebody else the keys to release the software. What happens then? What if I have a kernel bug in my high frequency trading systems? How do I feel about that now? And in all of those cases, that tends to swing you right back to the proprietary one, right? And that's why people pay for it. And you hear engineers all the time be like, I would never pay for that stuff. What a garbage thing. Software is free. Just download it off the internet, and do what you want. And like, that's because they're engineers and they're talking about software. They're not talking about products. And so, Yes, I believe the Red Hat model is better because what you get is all the upside of open source. You get all of that community building. You get all of that good juice. You get all of that like human goodness that comes from doing it that way. And then you also get basically the exact same upsides of a proprietary business, which is if I create value, I charge you for it. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's the deal. And it simplifies everything. Every other variation is this convoluted model that really only its mother could love. If you like mapped out open core business models on paper, <laughs> it's insane yeah. that that's what you would do. It's nuts. You would never do it to yourself on purpose, right? And so now we're seeing a lot of all the like commercial open source stuff like Cockroach or Elastic or those things. That's, they're not even open source anymore. They're just proprietary software again. What they're doing is reinventing the proprietary business model. But then they're also saying, well, but you can look at the source code. Like maybe you could fix a bug on my behalf. That to me is just like, who cares? You took all the human goodness part away from it. You showed me the source code, but why do I give it? Yeah. What's in it for me? Nothing. Which doesn't mean your product is bad because I pay money for software all the time. I like paying money for software. I got no problem paying you money for good software, but like it's not a community. It's users. It's a community of the way that like Excel has a community, not a community of the way that like Linux or WordPress is a community. Right. A group is not a community. Mm -mm. Communities 
they commiserate, they connect for the same reasons we all drew our lines from open source to today for ourselves. Yeah. There's some sort of union in that either here in this three person group or the actual communities that represent things that brought us to the straight line here. Yes. It's not to say that those communities of users can't bring value to you. They can, but it's not the same as open source. Like it doesn't open source taught me to program like open source taught me to like, like there's a whole world that it opened up for me that like that doesn't happen because you were like a World of Warcraft fan who built a cool UI mod. Do you know what I mean? It's not the same. Mm-hmm. So what if you're not targeting enterprises? Does it then change your answer? I mean, does it seems like if you're going like B2C or maybe in more smaller companies, small businesses, it seems like small businesses and also individuals. I'm thinking of this because of the engineers. Like, we'll just take the free one, you know? Mm, yeah. Does that change the calculus quite a bit? Because small businesses and indies do not like the the things that you can productize into what an enterprise appreciates like that Yeah. 24-7. I mean, that sounds like a bad business to me. Yeah. If your target market actively resists paying money for the thing that you produce that you believe is of value, that sounds like a business and you should get out. <laughs> Truth. So is there a subset of open source software that is even viable as a business? Yeah, of course. Because there's a subset of of businesses that are viable as businesses. How large is that minority? Are we talking like 5% of projects? 25%? Half of them? Oh, who? I I don't even know. I think in general, I don't think we've... I'm trying to think now sort of on the fly of a good example of a B2C open source company. I can't think of one. Well, something like Tailwind is doing pretty well right now. They have Are they? I think they're doing fine. I love Tailwind. I'm using Tailwind so good. But like I'm and I even pay Tailwind money for their product because I want to pay the Tailwind guys. Okay. So why aren't they doing so well? I don't know if they're not doing well. I have no idea how much revenue Tailwind's making. I'd be shocked if it was more than a million dollars. I think it's probably around there. Annual? Yeah. If they're making more than a million dollars in ARR, I'd be surprised. I think it's around there. But is that not a successful business, though? Sure. It can be a super successful business. So we'll have to define success before we can answer this question. Yeah. Venture capital success business. Like success for venture capital backed businesses. Okay. I would say Tailwind is like there's business success, which is am I running a business? Am I paying my employees? Am I happy? Is my life good? That's amazing. And people draw a distinction between the two. So let's draw them too. Right. So then there's like venture capital success. It's a different game you're playing. Yeah. In the venture capital game. What you're playing is, I believe that I could take this risky product idea and bring it to market and turn it into a giant company and succeed or fail. That's my bet. Whereas if I'm starting a company to feed myself, the conditions are incredibly different. Now the conditions are, if that thing fails, I don't eat. And so the bar of success is how comfortable am I at eating? (laughs) You know, like, is my life supported as those things? And we talk about, we sometimes, venture capital people sometimes talk about those as like lifestyle businesses. Right. And it becomes this like, whatever, like a sneer. I don't think it's a sneer at all. I just think it's a good example of like, I can't think of a big business to consumer open source company in the venture capital sense. Whereas in the business to business. Maybe WordPress is a good example then. Yeah, maybe WordPress is a good example. But I think where does, you know, if we broke down WordPress's revenue, I bet even WordPress's revenue is mostly business to business, right? Yeah, but not business to large enterprise, I guess is the distinction I'm drawing. Maybe it is. I don't know. I'm just Maybe like, it is, yeah. <laughs> I bet their highest paying customers are all banks running WordPress instances for something. They're probably news organizations, would my guess. Yeah, it could be. Which are kind of big business. But like, 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. either. You want to talk about infrastructure companies, I can like, I can dish on. Right. So, I mean, I think if we are talking about infra. But if I'm talking about WordPress, I'm a little out of my depth, mm-hmm. probably. I'm probably talking out my ass. Yeah, the reason why I <laughs> ask this kind of questions is because I think a lot of people go are trying to go from zero to one. Mm. Like, they have their chef, but it's like their open source project. That's just mm. like their, it's their side hustle. Yeah. And they're like wondering, am I going to be able to do this thing or not? Yeah. You know, what? where are the field goal posts? Is it full time? Or is it a $200 million exit? Like those are different ball games that you're playing there. Super different games. But people are usually wondering, can I go from zero to one? Or is this just always going to be a a hobby of mine? You know, it's always easier to go from a business to something else than it is to go from something else to a business. So like in open source, the thing about starting with something that's open source is your optionality is only to figure out how to close something off. You have to create that scarcity somehow. So, you know, if you have an open source project, and you want to create a business out of it, if you wanted to follow the, the free software product model, which I think you should do, then the number one thing you have to do is stop releasing builds with your branding on them. And you have to make it so no one else could ever release a version of that software that is called, you know, I'm wearing a McLaren hat, McLaren. <laughs> like you're the only one who can do that. And then people who want it have to agree to your commercial terms, which means at some point they have to pay you. And doing that would like, you could do that and it would, Somebody would pay you if it was valuable, like they do it. Yeah. Now you still have to do all the work of designing the business itself, which is who's my target customer? How do I reach those people? How do I convince them that it's worth buying? How do I get them to try it the first time? And like all that stuff, that's just stuff you have to do, whether what you're doing is open source or what you're doing is closed source. That's just business. And so like, I think the real question for people trying to go from zero to one is what kind of business do you want? And, you know, how big can it be? And you start by making spreadsheets, by just making it up, because you can't actually answer any of those questions. And all you're really trying to do is get to a place where you can believe that success is possible. Yeah. And if you can't create a spreadsheet that tells you success is possible, it's not possible. So that's like step one. And I've thrown away so many, like what I thought were really great business ideas, because I couldn't build a spreadsheet where when I looked at the spreadsheet, I was like, that's going to work. Like I looked at the spreadsheet and I was like, oh, I'm doomed. I'm done. There's no way, <laughs> you know? Right. And so you do that. And I think that's the same if it's a, your open source project or if it's like whatever it's going to be. The difference is your success criteria for that little spreadsheet. You know, if it's, can I feed myself and my family and buy a house? That's one thing. If it's, can it become, you know, to be viable for venture capital, then the upside of that spreadsheet has to be, it's going to ring the bell and go public. So it has to be, it's going to be trading on the New York Stock Exchange and it's worth billions of dollars. And like, they're just, it's the same spreadsheet. It's just the bar to say, this is a good idea or a bad idea is dramatically different, right? Yeah. You mentioned uh, Cockroach and Elastic Mm. and you said they're not open source. They are not. And uh, you said they're not, they're not obviously not following the, the Red Hat way or this product slash software, this dichotomy there you, you described. Give us a spin on CockroachDB, Cockroach Labs as a company, if they'd have done it the way you say. Well, how could they have done it the open source way? Yeah. So the reason why I use them as a lens is yeah. people out there will want to emulate their success. Of course, because they're successful. Raise lots of venture capital, yeah. worth billions of dollars. Yeah. Have a great idea, changing the world, yeah. technology and software. So it's the dream, baby. You know, that's why I'm using them as an example. It's a good, it's a good example. Look, I think 
I just want to be clear. I don't know those guys. I don't, I got no beef. Like everything's, everything's fine. I don't, I'm not upset or whatever. And God bless them. Like it's hard to build a business and be successful and raise venture capital. All that stuff is incredibly difficult. So like me armchair quarterbacking, that's what I'm doing right now. And I just want everybody to realize like I'm armchair quarterbacking and I know I'm up my own ass. So like, let's just, with that being said, I'll answer your question. So like, okay. Appreciate the preface. Yeah. What's the view like from up there? <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's skip that part. It's healthy. It's healthy. You know what I'm saying? It's a- like everything's, everything's pretty good okay. as far as it goes. <laughs> what Cockroach has done is they built a transformative piece of technology. It's very cool. And people who use it love it. And what they've proven is that if you build something that's amazing and you sell it for money, people pay you for it, which is awesome. But that is literally proving that you could build something amazing. And if you don't give it to someone, unless they pay you, you'll make money. <laughs> like, And so that's great. What they wanted was the upside of open source. And so there's two upsides of open source that people, I think, think they want in business. So one is this idea of community. And so that's the sense that says the people who use the software can have an impact on its direction or they can have an impact on on what it is, but, but mostly it's about like, nothing's better than having a, if you're choosing between having a consumer who just buys your product and has no relationship with you, or like I'm wearing an at the gates t-shirt every day I wake up, I put on a metal t-shirt because those are, that's my people. And like, I pay them money for this shirt because I'm repping for the brand. It's a part of who I am. Like, and when I go to those shows, I'm not just enjoying the music, I'm commuting with my people and that's community. Right. We're creating this sense where like there's a cockroach. Do you want to have a cockroach DB community where people are cockroach people? There were people at Chef who were chef people. You know what I mean? And like we came together every year. Yeah. We talked to each other. We helped each other out in our lives. Like it was church to a degree. Right. So you want that. And that's usually attached to the source code. Right. Our open source communities tend to grow up partly because of the availability of that source code and that attachment. And so they want to have the best of both worlds. They want to have that easy monetization where it's clear what they're doing and they can control their own destiny. And they also want the upside of having these thriving communities. And you can build a community. I'm sure there's cockroach DB people who are going to cockroach con or whatever. I don't know if that's a thing who like identify as cockroach DB people in the same way that there were Oracle people who identified as Oracle people. Mm-hmm. But it's not the same as what you see as like Linux people or WordPress people. Like it's not they're not even close. So they're giving that up a little bit for more control. The other thing they're doing is creating a different lens on competition. So in open source, part of what they're protecting against is like they're afraid of AWS or they're afraid of Microsoft or GitHub, like taking their software and launching it as a service. And the thing of it is, if what you're building as a product is successful enough, then you're going to get big enough that there will be competition. Mm -hmm. There's no successful product that doesn't have competition that doesn't exist because it's so obvious that what you should do is compete with someone. (laughs) It's not a difficult mental leap. That spreadsheet's really easy to build when you have an example already that tells you it works. You just get, you riff on the theme just a snudge and you're like, you are the spreadsheet. Yeah. And suddenly you're GitLab. I don't mean to talk ill of the GitLab guys, but like that was not a hard business plan to put together. It's like GitHub only open source. And you're like, okay, yeah. Spreadsheet works. Here's the money. I'm in, I'm in good pitch. Mm. You know, like it's it's not whatever. It wasn't hard. Whereas like the initial creation of GitHub was quite hard, right? So the activation energy for competition is, is much lower than than leading the pack. So if you're CockroachDB, what they believe they're doing is protecting themselves from that low activation energy for the big Amazons and, and those guys. That's a complete falsehood. 
Like the reality is those guys have giant hosted global databases already. And if CockroachDB builds a giant globally hosted database that's so much better than theirs and they can't launch a CockroachDB service, what that's going to do is not keep them out of your market. It just guarantees they're going to enter the market with not CockroachDB. You're just guaranteed that you're going to have to compete with that other database mm-hmm. on a feature-for-feature feature basis. Whereas if they could take CockroachDB and launch AWS, they couldn't call it CockroachDB. They'd have to call it like AWS McLaren DB, you know, and then they'd have to describe all the ways that it's compatible <laughs> with Cockroach and you have to talk about the upstream and everybody would know. They'd be like, what's McLaren DB? And you'd be like, oh, it's Cockroach only on AWS. You'd be like, oh, yeah. And as soon as those words left your mouth, what you're saying is CockroachDB is the thing I wanted. <laughs> and... And I use the AWS thing because it was easy. And if I'm CockroachDB, that's a much better competitive position than saying I have to choose CockroachDB Aurora, right? Mm -hmm. So that's sort of how Cockroach is set it up. And I think you could do better by trusting that that community that you want would actually lift you up, that the value of that thing would be stronger and that you're better at the product you created than anybody in the world will ever be. And so CockroachDB, I've never used it. I love Postgres. I'm building all a system initiative on Postgres. I looked at Cockroach for 10 seconds because as soon as I looked at it, I was like, why am I going to pay CockroachDB money when I could just run Aurora? And that was it. That was the extent of my competitive analysis because I would need a feature that Cockroach gives me that Aurora doesn't that kicks me over the line and they didn't have one. Now, if it was open source and it gave me extra optionality, all of a sudden I might feel differently about it. I probably would have chosen CockroachDB. I probably would have used their hosted service and not Aurora, Mm -hmm. but I didn't because they opted me out. They'll never know that because what do they care? There's a big enough community of people who love CockroachDB. They're paying them money. They say, why are we successful at getting this money? The answer is because I sell a product that's valuable for money. And so like, they're going to listen to this podcast and what they're going to say is that guy's nuts. That's not how it worked. And they're right because they made their choices and it worked. Right. Their choices were based on some competition you mentioned. So the, mm-hmm. the naive approach that, and maybe it's naive, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just lack of thinking front off down the line of the business line saying eventually somebody's going to compete with me because they did a license change. They were yeah. in quotes open source, right? They, they had an OSI approved license. They transitioned to what they called a permissive, a highly permissive BSL license. Yeah, sure. And then there's been some other transits, I'm sure. But the point is, is like to a non-open source. Which is secret code for not open source. and Right, not open source, but source available. Like this terminology is source available. Yeah, but don't hate me so much, you know? Don't completely hate me right. for doing it. Yeah. Ugh. Right. I think ultimately the reality is, it says what it says is, I don't trust that my community is a true community. I trust that they're users. And the thing about true communities is when it's hard, they hold you up. Chef went through many, many disruptive cycles. Docker disrupted us. Kubernetes disrupted us. Like over and over and over again, extinction level threats to our business happened. And the thing that made that business succeed in the end was that community of people who loved Chef because they wanted it to win. Because Chef winning meant they won. Mm. That wouldn't have been true (laughs) without that thing. I have a lot of trouble squaring the assertions here, which I mostly agree with, which uh, in particular, the thing about Red Hat making a distinction between devs buying software and companies buying products. I think that was an excellent framing of uh, why 
open source software can be worth something, especially when you package it up properly in a commercial open source offering. Um, I think he maybe was missing one of the emerging ways of monetizing open source software, or maybe he just views it differently, which is uh, infrastructure open source. You essentially have uh, some kind of distributed systems that you are hosting on behalf of other people, and it's hard to deploy, hard to manage. Therefore, you host it, and you charge people on a cost-plus basis for the infrastructure that you run for them. And people are very happy to do that, uh, to give that job to you, because they would much rather focus on other tasks. That's um, obviously the business model temporal. Seems to be working, but maybe also, arguably, a lie. Right, like, um, because it, you are not incentivized to make it easy to host because your business is hosting. Therefore, is it actually just source available? Um, is the open source license, yes, it's MIT license, and that's a different license than the BSL license or the Elastic license that the other companies have produced. Um, but is it actually in de facto just source available? Um, so I, I really hard struggle to contrast these approaches. Uh, I think Adam, uh, definitely has his idealistic approach. Um, it's also worth noting that uh, Chef exited for $200 million when the companies he's criticizing, which are not open source anymore, uh, by his definition, open source, um, like Elastic or GitLab or whatever, uh, they're worth 5 to $8 billion. So it's interesting. I think if you're a founder, you want to consider all these dimensions and think about what side of the open source spectrum you sit on.